Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Poetic Resurrection. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Rachel Hanfling. She is an Emmy-nominated TV producer, media trainer, communication coach, and a keynote speaker. Welcome, Rachel. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. When a mutual friend of ours told me about you, I go, I have, I have to have her. He spoke highly of you as well. So tell me, because when I went to your website, which will tell people how to reach you later, it says you're an Emmy-nominated TV producer. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I've had the great privilege to work with some of the biggest names in television. I spent 10 years working for Oprah Winfrey at the Oprah Winfrey show. I worked for Anderson Cooper and I'm sure we'll get more into this, but along the way I learned so much from them and also from all of the incredibly talented people that I worked with. And through it, I learned how to tell a story, how to keep people interested And I learned that if you want to grow your results in life, the number one thing you can do, in my view, Mm -hmm. is grow your communication skills. Because I saw that when people were exceptional communicators, they were able to have a tremendous impact. It is so true. And the story I find... It's so important because then people could relate when you have a story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things that fascinates, well, besides me being an actor and seeing an Emmy-nominated producer in the credit, when it comes to speaking, because I've done it, I am terrified to do it. And I'm an actor and I still have a problem with going up there and doing a speaker gig. So the interesting thing about that is being an actor in some ways is very helpful because you're used to being on a stage. In other ways, it's different because when you're acting, you're playing a role. Mm -hmm. When you are being asked to give a speech, you are showing up as you. And showing up as you showing up as yourself, you know, that feels different than showing up and playing a role of somebody else. So that's why when you say, oh, I'm an actor, this shouldn't be hard for me. It helps you in some ways, but it actually isn't the same thing. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally is because as an actor, you hide behind the character. Exactly. But as a speaker, you're vulnerable, you're raw, you're exposing who you really are, you're giving your story to make a point. And yeah, because I've done poetry readings where the same thing, I I freeze up. Yes. So I really want people to know this much about me. 
Yeah, it, it's exactly that. It's almost like for some people, it feels like they're naked. They're just putting themselves out there in a way that just feels way too uncomfortable. And it's, it's working through that. Growing up, I actually became somebody who was fascinated with communication because I was a very shy child. And really, really. (laughs) And that's where this interest came from. I remember vividly being a young child and lying in bed at night. And it was every August and I'd just be everybody else in my house would be asleep. And I'd be hoping and praying that this was the year that I would be able to find a circle of friends. And it felt like Like, I always felt like I was on the outside looking in. It never felt like I could connect with kids my age. And it was really painful. Mm -hmm. And so as a young child, now that I look back on it with all these years and experiences, I realize I had a strategy. But as a young child, I certainly didn't have any kind of strategy other than I was just sad that I couldn't make friends the way I wanted to, Mm -hmm. but I did two things. I started becoming a master observer. I paid attention to everything the kids were doing. They weren't paying attention to me, but I was paying attention to them, how they talk, their body language, their faces, how how they laughed, um, what they did to get other kids interested in them. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was I started watching the evening news with my mother. Every day we'd watch the evening news while we waited for my dad to come home. I was fascinated by how the people on TV told stories because even as a young child, I could tell that they were trying to do in front of millions of people what I was trying to do as a kid, which was get people interested and keep them interested. So I studied how they did that. And then when it became time to choose a career, I chose what I had fallen in love with as a kid, which was TV news. That's fascinating because as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, they do tell a story. And I was the opposite of you. I was super outgoing. Oh, yeah. Oh, super outgoing. And I was a little fat kid. And <laughs> so me being overweight was my problem at the time, because, you know, you want the boys to like you and they liked your friends. But I was always outgoing. But yet, you know, there's a little shyness to even the most popular kids. They always have something that they're not sure of. Now, on you noticing how the popular kids got along, did you notice if they leaned forward, their body language. What about their body language made them more accessible? You know, it's funny. I don't think I could have articulated that as a child, but in general, people are more more drawn to people that feel comfortable in their own skin. That's so hard to say to somebody when they don't feel comfortable in their own skin. Mm -hmm. Oh, just be comfortable in your skin. It doesn't work that way. But people who feel comfortable 
themselves tend to make other people feel comfortable. And I think that people feel an energy coming off of people. People feel a kindness. People feel whether the person they're around is genuinely interested in them. I say that the number one principle of effective communication is meet people where they are to take them where you want them to go. And so what that means is you have to be meeting your audience where they are to take them where you want them to go, whether that's to be friends or whether that's to make a sale or make whatever impact you're trying to make. I feel that people who are the most comfortable in their own skin and then want to have a genuine interaction where they're truly caring about what their audience, whether that's one or many, wants, are the end up being the most attractive. Another way I say it sometimes is people who pour love into their interactions make it so much more likely that people are going to love them back. But by love, I don't mean confused like romantic love. I mean care and just a genuine desire to get to know somebody and to be somebody who can be trustworthy and helpful. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense because the reason I use lean in is because people open up to me sometimes and it's more than I can handle. It's like, um, okay, but I genuinely care about people. Right. You know, it's just my nature to care about who I'm talking about. That being said, you know, I could only allow, uh, not allow myself because I allow myself to do, but be in the moment with them. But I have to also retreat to get my energy refueled. But how do you meet people where they're at if you don't know where they're at? So this is something that some people don't relate to as easily. I can tell you how it feels to me. For me, well, if I don't know somebody at all, you research them, whether that's if you're going to give a keynote or if you're just meeting somebody one-on-one, you want to learn as much as you can about somebody before you go meet them. So that's one way. But let's say you're at a party and you just meet someone and you can't research them. Well, I would start by doing less talking and more setting them up to talk themselves. So I would comment on something that opens up a conversation and it can be a question, but sometimes it isn't even a question. Sometimes it's just something light that then the other person could comment on. And then if you don't talk immediately, you're giving space for them to talk. And then they'll usually say something. And then if you're paying attention to their energy, and if you're paying attention to the nuances of what they're saying, that's a springboard for a conversation. And then you key into what they're caring about. You have a conversation from there. But your interest has to be genuine. It can't just be like, I'm following a formula because people- They read it. Right, they feel it. Mm -hmm. And some people are more energetically connected than others. Some people talk about energy more than others. I happen to be one of those people. But whether you verbalize that or not, 
everyone feels, everyone gets a sense about people and people react to that. And people are running a, a thought process through in their head. They're thinking, do I like this person? Does this person care about me? Can I trust this person? Can this person help me? These are all subconscious points that go through your audience's head before they determine whether they want to move forward with you in any kind of a relationship. That is very true because I've spoken with some people and they're kind of looking at me, but I feel like they're looking past me. And it's like, I am not going to give you too much information. Right. You're not really listening. And they do seem like they're going through a formula. And so sometimes I'll make a joke about it. It's like, oh, is there something behind me that's, <laughs> you know, because I add humor to it. And then sometimes they they laugh and then they they mellow out. Then they look you in the eye. Because to me, it's so important and respectful to look someone in the eye. Now, there are certain cultures you don't want to do that to, but yes, in Western culture, that's a way of showing respect. Let's say, I'm going to give you a, a hypothetical situation. Can I ask you a question? So yeah. when you feel like, when you feel like someone isn't truly present with you, when mm -hmm. you feel like somebody isn't listening to you, caring about you, what does that feel like to you? It feels like, why am I wasting my time talking to you? Mm -hmm. I could, there are other people in my life that deserve my attention. Mm -hmm. Because I used to try to win people over in the past. And they weren't worth it to me. Because then I was neglecting the people that were actually there for me. So if not, it's a new relationship. I don't know you. There's no loss in it. I'll just be polite, be considerate, and then excuse myself and say, oh, you know, excuse me, I'm going to go over here and talk to a friend that came in or something like that. I'd be polite because you don't know their story and I don't want to be rude. They might be super shy. They can't look you in the eye. So I don't know their situation. I don't know their story. So best to be kind and move on. Well, first of all, I always think it's best to be kind. I always try to lead with that because it's just a better way to be in the world. We just need more kindness and less division and more empathy. And times when someone appears to be cold or disinterested, often it has nothing to do with you at all. It feels like it might, but it doesn't. And trying not to personalize and just be kind. So I agree with that. The reason why I asked the question was when you don't feel like somebody is keying into you, honoring you, it doesn't feel good. You pull back, you move away. And in any interaction, it can be subtle. It's often subtle, but we're either drawing people to us or we're pushing them away. Communicating effectively is all about being drawing people to you and being aware there's always that push-pull going on. I totally agree because it is a conversation. It needs to go back and forth. Yeah. You both need to share and you both need to listen. I don't have a problem with being a good listener. In fact, I feel sometimes like I'm a therapist. And I'm not a therapist. I don't have a degree. I cannot help you in that department. But I could be a good ear. That's about it. But on a stage, because let's go back to the speaking how do you, 
I don't know, if you want to find an example, I'll give myself an example. What would you tell someone that's truly nervous, like their body takes over their nervousness instead of the, their mind? Well, the first thing I would say is there is nothing abnormal about um, of all the questions I get asked. I do believe that's at the top of the list. How do I get rid of my nerves? And I always reframe that question and say, it isn't necessarily about getting rid of your nerves. It's about learning how to harness them and moving forward in a way that they work for you instead of working against you. So nerves are complicated. There are many reasons why people feel nervous and that can be very personal. So there are many different approaches that I use to help people tackle their nerves. And often it's more than one thing over a period of time. But one thing that I always try to start with, because it's very helpful to many people, is reframing the idea of the speech or the interview or whatever is making you super nervous. When people are nervous, they're caught in their own head, whatever their internal thoughts are. Does someone think I'm unattractive? Does someone not like my voice? Does someone not think I'm smart? Whatever the internal dialogue is, I'm just throwing out a few, but there are, I mean, there are many, there are many different ways that people can sabotage themselves. But the thing about that is all those things are about you when you're feeling those things. You're thinking about yourself, which is totally normal. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but you're thinking about you. If you reframe the speech and you think about this speech actually as a gift to your audience, and you're thinking about your audience, who's in this audience? What do they care about? What do they want? How can I serve them? How can I wrap a gift for them and make that wrapping so beautiful and make the gift something that is just going to be so perfect for them? I don't mean a physical gift. I mean, yeah. this being a gift. The gift of knowledge. Right. Gift of knowledge, gift of how you make people feel, gift of how you're empowering them, taking them forward into whatever it is, whatever place you're trying to take them. If you think of it being about them instead of about you, it's a lot harder to be nervous because if you're thinking about giving to somebody else, you probably wouldn't be nervous about that. But when you're thinking about you, like, am I going to make a fool out of myself? What are people going to think? What are people going to say? What if I forget what I'm going to say? That's all you, you, you. If you think about your audience and caring so much about your audience and just wanting to pour your love into them, you're not in as nervous a position and you become more confident. And it, it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, I'm, I have to be perfect it was just, I just wanted to be able to communicate well, but I still made it about me because I just wanted to make sure that the speech was good, that I was giving them. But if I would have had that frame of thought of making it as a gift to them, it would have been a lot easier. Yeah. And I don't mean in any way to say that it's bad, like you're some sort of selfish person. 
it's normal. We all have these feelings of insecurity and fear that manifest as just kind of making it about us. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, your audience feels that your audience can just sense energetically if you're thinking about them or if you're more in your own internal dialogue. Yeah. I was really nervous and I read this one poem and it's called tomorrow. If I was to die tomorrow, what I have told the people that I love that I love them. That's just like one line. And that, since I was nervous, it was kind of like I got people really emotional only on that part. And I'm like, well, okay, now I'm not so nervous anymore. <laughs> but it was, that was the end of the speech. And I have to tell you, it almost made me not want to do speeches anymore. It was that terrifying. And you're right. I made it about myself. You know, one of the most exciting things for me as a coach Mm -hmm. is when my students tell me I would have declined this invitation before we worked together, but now I'm saying yes. Just two days ago in my mastery community that I teach, it's called Shine. And one of my students said to me, you know what? I'm realizing that people actually would be interested in what I have to say. And that was such a breakthrough for her mm-hmm. because she worried about whether people would even care what she had to say. And now she's realizing that, yeah, people do care. And she's saying yes to opportunities that her fear and her anxiety was keeping her from previously. And to me, like, I know you have so much to give. Your poetry is beautiful and you have so much to give. Thank you. So you want to be able to go out there into whatever space you want to go into and share it and give that as a gift. Yes. When we spoke before, I have another speech and I have not filled out the application because they said we could put you in in July. I'm like, what do I say? What do I, you know, I, I'm still nervous. I haven't gotten to where your student is yet. I think I'm going to do it anyway. I'll just work on it till then. (laughs) Say yes. Yes. The anxiety doesn't go away by saying no. I can tell you that. The anxiety starts to go away with the right strategy and the right continued practice. Showing up and realizing that you didn't die. And, you know, some people are afraid of that. Some people actually feel like they might die sounds dramatic, but that's actually how they feel. Showing up and realizing that didn't happen, that you didn't throw up or pass out or forget everything you had to say, or even if you did forget what you had to say, that you were okay anyway. Yeah. So say yes. Say yes. They sell my books at this bookstore and they want to have an event. And I'm like, okay. They're asking you because, I mean, if they sell your books... I mean, first of all, from a business standpoint, you want to say yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think people would know me better and and then they would see what who's behind the book. Of course. And if they know your books and they're asking you to come, they, I mean, really, you can translate. So instead of thinking, oh, they're asking me to come speak, think they sell my books and they love my books so much that they're asking me to come and give them a gift and share my books with more people. 
Does that sound as scary as a speech? No, not at all. Really? Yeah. Are you genuine? Are you serious? No, that- no, because as you were talking, I'm, I was visualizing because I've seen other events at this bookstore. And I was visualizing how I would do as you were talking. I'm like, oh, you know, and I would read this book and I would tell them my story of my life. I would tell them how I got into poetry. And, you know, as you're speaking, it's like I'm seeing this. I'm very visual. That's how I write my poetry. That's how I write my stories. I see it first and then I just write down what I actually saw. And I'm like, you know, that's not that bad, especially uh, a really well-known poet said he would do it with me to help me. So someone's actually help offering to help you give a gift. They're truly think of it that way. They're asking you to give them a gift of more you. How amazing is that? That's true. I didn't think about it like that. It's very flattering. I was honored really to even be told that. But then I then, you know, your insecurities kick in and And then in the past, like I screwed up this last one. I can't. Then you feel like you owe them a really good one, too. You don't want to let them down. So that adds, I think, more stress, too. So nobody wants to let their audience down. That's a, you know, that would be a bad feeling to know you let your audience down. And it's a legitimate fear. That's why, number one, you prepare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you actually practice. Some people think, oh, I'm just going to show up and just talk. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why people practice. You wouldn't be like, imagine the Olympics. Someone goes to the Olympics and it's just like, eh, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to really swim the laps in the pool. I'm just going to jump in the pool when I get to the Olympics and see what happens. Be- Because, you know, then I'll just be really being me and that's what I want to do. You would never do that, right? Correct. Um, You would never do that. And I just use the sports analogy because it's such an obvious one. Everyone knows athletes practice and practice and practice. It's the same thing for speaking. You need the right strategy. You need the the right training, and you need to practice. You need to swim your laps and do all of that so that you can be good when it's performance time. So you practice and you really work on thinking of it. They already love you. And they're basically asking you to show up and love them back. And you're going to love them back by preparing and then being present in the moment. I totally see that because in acting is the same thing. A lot of people say, oh, you just acting's easy. You just do it. I'm like, uh, no, it's not. You have to be in the character. If you're playing yourself, sometimes that could be hard too. It's not, you know, people see it on TV and they think, oh, that's so easy. It's, there's so much that goes along with that. There is nothing that ever looked easy to me about acting. I admire that. I've never done that. I, you know, I admire that. Yeah. And see, and and vice versa, I I admire that you could get in front of a bunch of people and give a speech. (laughs) Well, I've worked at it. And if anything, for me, working on the other side, being a producer for 20 years and knowing how things should be, it was challenging, especially at the beginning. But I continue to feel a lot of pressure every time I speak because I want to be I want to be as good as I can be. And I think that's normal. I want to ask you, 
what is the difference between being a communication coach and being a media trainer? Okay. About 10 years ago, I went off on my own and started my own practice. When I first started, I was mostly training people for to go on television because that's where I was coming from. I was coming off of 20 years of working in TV. And so let's say you're going on the Today Show. You might hire me to help you prepare for an interview or going on Shark Tank, something like that. Mm-hmm. Over time, people started to ask me to coach them for public speaking, for sales, for interviews. I came to realize that my core beliefs about training are really the same for anywhere you open your mouth. So a communication coach is much broader, Mm -hmm. includes media training, and media training is very specific for TV, for podcasts, for radio, basically, and any kind of media. But when people ask me what I do for a living, I tell them I teach people how to talk to get what they want. Because we all walk through the world every day needing to open our mouth to achieve something. And the better we can get at doing that, And it isn't just something that you're either born with or you're not. These are learned skills. The better we get at doing that, the more we are able to make the impact we want to make. I interviewed someone and I know them personally, and they are so much fun and they're outgoing and we can talk about anything. And then I got them on an interview and it was like pulling teeth. I'm like, I know how good they can be. I know, I know them. And So what I did was I did make it a shorter interview and I cut out only the parts that show who they really are because I know them personally. What happens when you see someone like that? Like they'll come to you and say, you know, I'm I have no problems at any other time. And then the camera comes on and they freeze. Is that the same as speaking? You're thinking about yourself and not your audience? First of all, I want to say that's very kind of you to edit so that the person appeared to be more of who you knew they were because not everybody would do that. So that was kind of you. you. And that happens a lot, though. This is why they're all related. Training people for media, training people for stage, training people to make a big sale, training people to go in and do an interview. There is something about being in a particular environment where you feel like you need to perform, not perform like an actor, but perform like you, that for many people turns on a different way of being that isn't the best of them. Mm -hmm. So for that person, Sometimes it's about teaching them how to figure out what to say and how to say it and preparing the actual words that come out of their mouth. I don't mean memorizing, but helping them feel more comfortable describing what it is that they talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, Like this interview, maybe I had some idea about what you're going to talk about, but very little Some people can't speak on the spot like that easily. They don't know what to say. So that's one part of it. But the other part of it is the emotional component and really working through what happens for someone, that person, like in the example you just gave, 
-hmm. what is it that she's thinking and what is she feeling? Is she worried she's going to make a fool of herself? Understanding whatever the internal thoughts are and then helping her work through those so that she can show up as the best of her. So sometimes people worry that when they get training on how to communicate better, they're going to turn into somebody who isn't them. Mm-hmm. I can tell you for me, when I train people, I that is never my goal. I wouldn't, let's say I was training you hypothetically. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to turn I you I would love that, you. by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. But that wasn't what I meant. Like I yeah. didn't mean it that way. What I meant was I wouldn't want to turn you into a cookie cutter of anybody else. I would want to help draw out the most amazing, compelling things about you so that when you're showing up, people love you more and want to move forward with you more, whether moving forward means listening to your podcast or reading your books or whatever that is, because that's how I help people grow. I want them to show up as authentically them, but the of authentically them. Yes. Because that's really what we all want. We all want to show up as the best of ourselves. And I find that so many of us go through very similar uh, situations, but we each have our own story with that situation. And that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it interesting when I interview a poet, because, you know, poet's a poet, but there's story behind their poetry. That's what this podcast is about, is about your journey. I couldn't agree more. I mean, great stories draw people in and learning how to tell a great story, learning how to tell our own story is one of the most powerful things you can do as a person, as a business person, learning how to share what it is about you that other people, that would make other people be drawn to you is one of the most powerful things you can do in this lifetime. You said, and it's certainly one of the most important business skills you can learn. I agree. You said something interesting that we all feel similar in certain ways. And that's actually one of the things that I love about teaching groups and the community I have, the mastery community, because so often people come to me and they're kind of like you were like, I'm so nervous about this speech. And when you're so nervous or when you're having trouble coming up with what to say, or you don't know exactly what your story is, what you should say, what, how, and how you should tell it. When you have these kinds of fears, they feel really personal. Like you must be the only person, even though you know intellectually, you're yeah. not, but it feels like you're the person that is so, like it feels so acute for you. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a group and you listen to other people talk about what they're feeling, and then you realize that actually it is very personal to you and it's your journey to master your own challenges and succeed. But what you're feeling isn't all that different than what other people are feeling. That in and of itself sometimes makes people feel a lot better just because they don't think there's something wrong with them. Right. And they don't feel alone. Totally. Because we are social creatures. When we feel an emotion and we feel like we're the only one going through it is really difficult. Totally. Yes. (laughs) It is. (laughs) 
It is. Yeah. So now coming to the close of our podcast. We're done already. I like this. I know, right? (laughs) I love a conversation and you have been beautiful and I love it. As have you. Thank you. What would you say to the audience as a closing note? A closing note? I believe that everyone has something to contribute, something to say that matters. And like when my students said to me, I'm realizing people would care about what I have to say. I believe everybody has a gift to share that can really make a difference, really make an impact. And learning to share, learning to communicate that in a way that you can achieve what you want is something anybody can do. Anybody, even if you're shy, even if you didn't ever feel like you were good at talking, whatever your struggle is, this is something you can do. These are learnable skills. That's what I would say. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Now, how can they reach you? Okay, so you can go to my website, rachelhanfling.com. It's kind of a mouthful, R-A-C-H-E-L-H-A-N-F-L-I-N-G.com. I'm assuming that'll be in your show notes. Yes, it will be. Awesome. And uh, when I had children, I actually gave them very simple first names because I knew they'd have a difficult last name and I didn't want that to be any more difficult than it needed to be. So go to my website and I actually have a free download there that is only five minutes. It's a five minute video. If you watch it, I believe it'll really help you accelerate your ability to make an impact every time you speak, show up with confidence and with clarity and make a connection. If you go to my website, you can get that free video. And I'd love for you to email me after you watch it and tell me how you're going to go ahead and use it. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. I have learned so much from you. I greatly appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. You have a beautiful energy about you and the time just flew by. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast. Available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, and many other podcast platforms. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at PoeticResurrection.com for the latest information and updates.